It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 706 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. Well, I have another excellent episode lined up for you today. Joining me as my guest is Ethan Butte. Ethan is Vice President of Marketing at BombBomb and co-author of the new book titled Rehumanize Your Business, How Personal Videos Accelerate Sales and Improve Customer Experience. Now, today we're going to get into what Ethan sees as a movement that's all about being human. And certainly, if you've listened to the show at all or follow me, you know that's something I'm a big advocate of. And we're going to talk about the importance of being ourselves and treating others as humans, not as objects, not purely as prospects that we need something from. And we're going to talk about the impacts, sort of the dehumanizing impacts of sort of our faceless digital communication in the world today, and about how using video can make doing your job in sales more human for you, as well as for the customer, and show the customer what it's like to work with you, to experience a little bit what it's like to work with your service and your company. And Ethan's going to get into why he believes that rehumanizing your business is really about a return to the old ways of doing business. And we'll dig into all that. Now, before we get to the interview, let me tell you about your buyers, because study after study finds that B2B buyers want more acumen from sellers. And there's several aspects to what comprise acumen, but one of them is your ability to communicate in a human, relevant, and compelling manner, just like we're talking about in the interview today. Effective communications is what leads to the relationships that lead to opportunities that in turn lead to orders. So if you want to learn how to communicate with your prospects, to build the relationships and trust that inspires them to want to do business with you, then you definitely need to check out the Foundations for Sales Growth. This is one of the programs I've created for members of the sales house, my sales growth engine for B2B sellers. Now, the Sales House contains courses, live coaching, a highly engaged community, sharing advice, and it's all yours once you become a member. So, come become the best version of you at the Sales House. Visit thesaleshouse.com, that is thesaleshouse.com, or go to thesaleshouse.com forward slash join. All right, let's jump into it with my guest today, Ethan Butte. Ethan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the invite. Well, hey, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, as someone who's <laughs> starting to use your product more and more these days, uh, yeah, I think it's it's we're going to dig into why why uh, personal videos are so such a good idea. But um, yeah, it's it's well, I'm sort of fascinated. So I'll, without sort of preempting what we're going to talk about later is so how did how the idea come about for BombBomb? Uh. The, the original founder story, um, Connor McCluskey and Darren Dawson, longtime friends, kind of entrepreneurial spirits for, for a long time, and they had started a, a separate business together. When I ran into them and when they founded BombBomb, Connor was selling outdoor. Uh, he was selling billboards for Lamar. And he had this, like, like a lot of sales reps, he inherited some kind of a list, mm-hmm. served it very, very well, grew it. Um, and got to a point where he couldn't stay in front of people as often as he wanted to. And so he had this idea of like sending himself any videos. This is, this is like early 2006. And so he was looking for a solution for this problem and he didn't really find one that he liked. And so, um, 
he put together kind of a hacky scenario where he got someone to host the, the email HTML in one place, host the video somewhere right, else and right, put it right. together, host the list and, and sent it out to a list of just a couple hundred people and um, had just a, this amazing response. But the response wasn't um, tell me more about this, about yourself and, and the billboard opportunities I have. It was like, how did you do this? And mm -hmm. so, he and Darren both tried to get other people to build the software, but through some fits and starts and then a really fortuitous conversation with a mentor of theirs who's just, you guys just need to do this yourself. And so the, the really fun thing about it is, A, I mean, the, the odds of us being where we are here in 2019 are so long from the perspective of 2006. Sure, sure. Um, especially, some, you know, we're not venture backed. We're all bootstrapped. It's all friends and family money and growing on our own revenue. And so that adds some additional layers of, of uh, unlikeliness to, to reach where we've, where we've arrived. But the really fun thing for me, and I've been involved with them, I was involved part-time for a couple of years before joining full-time. So I've been with them for about a decade now. The really cool thing about that whole process is that um, the original vision of I want to be face to face with my with my customers and my future customers more often. Um, I want to do it at scale and video is a good way to do it. Now he had the advantage, unlike a lot of folks that are listening right now, he had the advantage of doing work within the region. No one he was selling to is more than an hour or an hour and a half away by mm -hmm, car. So mm -hmm. he could he could visit them. But that's the scale part of it is he wants that he, he wanted to create that personal experience um, across time and distance so he could do it more often. So contract renewal uh, alerts, uh, lunch appointments, follow ups after appointments with a prospect. Hey, really enjoyed the time together. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I noticed that you were really excited about Bing, 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 but you also had that concern about the other thing. I just want to remind you, blah, blah, blah. Here's the next step, right? And so these, just all these little touches that you could do in a more personal way. And so the fun thing is that, you know, here we are more than a dozen years later and the original vision um, is, is come to life and being practiced by tens of thousands of people in an even better way than we imagined initially, because at the time it wasn't the one-to-one -one, uh, engine that it is now. Right, right. Well, you're, you talk about a lot of these issues about how this, how to use video and use video effectively because we should. I mean, given given that we have all this bandwidth out there and we have the applications, uh, and given the fact that you, I think more people would be better off instead of trying to craft an email of just, as you know, just getting on the camera and speaking authentically uh, about you know to the prospect that they're talking with that. Yeah, it seems like it makes such sense, right? And yet, yeah, I'm sort of always surprised at people that seem so reluctant to adopt it. One is huge fear of being on camera, still for a lot of people, which is is crazy sort of these days, I think. But but also this feeling that with sort of the inverse, where they think that they have to be more scripted when they're talking like this or talking to the camera to deliver an email, as opposed to when they sit down and write an email, which for me, I... <laughs> My wife gives me a hard time. I labor over emails forever, but yeah, get me on camera and I blah, 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 you know, chat pretty easily. Yeah. So you touched on a number of really important things there. Um, one of them is this idea of uh, each salesperson being his or her own best sales asset, essentially. You are more than the words you type into the, into the computer or worse, words that are written for you and it's just your name and email mm -hmm. signature slapped on it. You probably don't even know the contents of that email until you get a reply that questions the content of the email. You're like, <laughs> oh, maybe I better read this email I've been sending to hundreds of people. 
and so and so it is. It's a much more natural, much more human way to communicate. We've been doing it for millennia, for far longer. I mean, as as a species, we've only been sure. uh, broadly literate for for about five hundred years or so. Um, and so this this idea of looking each other in the eye, in the face, smiling, emoting, shrugging our shoulders, putting on sad faces or concerned faces, and all these things we just, we do automatically. We write them to our faces automatically, and we read them from other faces, mm-hmm. uh, other people's faces automatically. It's just so natural and fundamentally human. Whereas to your point, we labor over our writing. We did a uh, we had a research project in our community about three or four years ago. I wrote a blog post. Uh, and cited um, this this gentleman who's working on his doctorate at Harvard Business School in uh, in organizational communication, organizational psychology. And he had done a ton of research on traditional email. And one of his themes is um, it, we have a lot of anxiety and we over uh, overcraft our emails typically, and we overestimate our ability to communicate clearly in in our typed out emails. And so you know, when you're talking about your wife kind of teasing you a little bit and the reason you, you labor over this is like, you have this opportunity to like back, 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 back. I'm going to get this just right. I'm going to get it perfect, whatever, whatever. Now let's transition that to video. One of the reasons we wrote this book, Rehumanize Your Business, is to just capture all the things we've learned and taught by having great relationships with our customers and being practitioners ourselves to really break all this stuff down. Cause you really hit a big one, which is um, I, I'm really uncomfortable. I don't like how I look or sound. I don't know what to say. All these kind of natural human things where if you got someone on the phone, you knew why you called, you know what you want to communicate, you know what the call to action is. You don't worry about it. You don't think twice about it. You do it automatically. But somehow when we when we hit record on the video, we get all twisted up and we get in our own head and we start judging our appearance and all these things. But you know, for those of you who are selling in environments where you do take face-to-face appointments, where you're not responsible for a six-state uh, area and you only see your clients maybe once every couple of years or something, if, you, if you're one of these people who sells locally, you would not think twice about having a sales conversation in the produce section of your grocery store should that uh, happen to arise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think twice if someone said, hey, um, I've been thinking about it a lot. Can you meet today at two o'clock at Starbucks? You wouldn't think twice. I mean, you might check yourself in the mirror before you headed out for the appointment, but you wouldn't dwell on your on the words you're saying and the pace that you're saying it at and what you look like and all these other things you get wrapped up in when you can see and hear yourself on video. And so the natural tendency for someone who is who is thinking about going down this road and they try it out a little bit is to is to really be in their own head. But to your point again, you are your own best sales asset. You communicate a lot more effectively eye-to-eye, face-to-face. You're probably not a very good writer. Most of us are not. Um, and, and then you're very natural. One of the reasons you're in the role you're in is you have ideally some kind of a, a natural ability to uh, to connect with people. You don't have to be over the top. Uh, I see say, people successfully sell with video by being who they are, not necessarily by being some dynamic figure or being some scripted, polished person. In fact, that is a detriment. We hear that all the time too. Well, but that plays out in normal email communication as well. So let's we're going to start heading on the track and talk about that. So as you mentioned, your book, Rehumanize Your Business, How Personal Videos Accelerate Sales and Improve Customer Experiences. So, <laughs> excuse me, let's start with this notion of rehumanizing. So what did, what did you mean about that? Yeah, thank you for that question. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk in general, um, you know, human to human, 
humanize, be more human. Like I really like that this is a, a conversation in the general business culture now. I think the idea that someone like Brene Brown has a mainstream uh, business book, I think is a positive thing. I think this movement toward um, being more naturally ourselves and treating other people as, uh, as human beings as opposed to uh, prospects per se or, or numbers or quotas or whatever. Um, so there's been a lot of talk about being more human and humanizing things, I feel like for about five or six or seven years. The reason we went with rehumanize as the preferred language is this is just a return to the way business was always done. And you can look at this in a variety of ways. Um, for example, in the beginning of Gary Vaynerchuk's Thank You Economy, he harkens back to the baker and the candlestick maker and whoever in like these small villages just a few hundred years ago. And if you did wrong by somebody, you know, word would spread. His mm -hmm. argument, of course, is around this idea of reviews and online right, voices. Word of mouth, and right. But uh, I essentially, I go to that just to say this is simply a return to the way that we've always been most effective. It's only been over the past 20 years or so that we've increasingly restricted ourselves to faceless digital communication. And we do it for a variety of reasons. I mean, there's email is a huge benefit. Text messaging is a huge benefit. Social media is a huge benefit. But one of the downsides to all of them is that we increasingly rely on the same black text on the same white screen that doesn't build rapport, doesn't differentiate us from anyone else, and typically doesn't communicate nearly as well as if we just got eye to eye, face to face. So our whole premise is that if you find some spots to reinsert yourself, to put the messenger back into the message, that you will rehumanize the process of what it's like to A, do your job, and then B, on the, other, on the recipient side, um, what it's like to work with you and your product or your service or your company and, and all the things that you represent. It's, it's a rehumanizing of a process where we've been dehumanized. There's a little research in the book. We don't need to talk about it now, but there's some dehumanizing effects of faceless digital communication um, sure. from, from a from a human psychology and, and scientific standpoint. And so we see, we see this as a rehumanization of, of the sales process and the customer experience. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think that it sort of goes, I think it's a, I look at it as a tool that can certainly facilitate that. Right. I mean, the fact is if you want to make things more humanized or more, <laughs> more human, it, it starts still starts with the person. The person has to be more human. I mean, so the tool that you're talking about, I think it's a great tool to say, look, if you're prepared to be more human, if you're prepared to be focused, you're prepared to be present, you're prepared to be curious, you're prepared to ask great questions, then, yeah, these are tools that, that are extremely useful and can help facilitate and accelerate, to your point, building these relationships. But the problem we, I think we have, which is you know, sort of swept into multiple generations, not just the younger generations, as most people think, is that people become so fixated on... The impersonal, the text, the email, but also on their screens, to a degree that that this, they have to. We have to have this, sort of this this moment of awareness. That's I think to your point is is beginning to happen, and you see people writing about. It. You see uh, people like Rohit Bhargava write about the human mode as one of the impressive new trends that are coming out. You see companies getting away from phone trees and going to human operators more. Um, that you're getting senses, yeah. This 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 is sort of a swing of the pendulum a little bit to say, yeah, there's room for the person in amongst the technology. 
Yeah, that's a, that's another tension that we can talk about too. And I'd be curious to know your, your thoughts and experience on it. Cause you talked to so many smart people. Um, we, we get a little bit into that as well. And, you know, I think it's the, the fourth chapter where we're, we're helping you self-identify to decide whether or not this is the right approach for you. Um, and I think in most cases it is, but you know, one of them is this, you know, we, we do need technology. We do need machine. We do need automation, AI, all of these. We need, we need a lot of automated touches in order to scale our businesses. One of the advantages that technology has allowed us, but there are moments in all of these processes uh, to be truly personal. And so it's something I, I, I'm trying to explore more often uh, is, is, is when can we personalize? And that is, Hey, Andy, uh, you've watched the first four seasons of Parks and Rec on Netflix. Mm. I don't know if you have, but no. uh, but well, Amazon yeah. would know. Not, not on Netflix, but I... Okay. Okay. Uh, hey, the fifth <laughs> season is available. We thought you would want to know that, right. right? So it's super relevant. It's based on your real behavior. It mm. reads like it's just for you. In fact, it is just for you. It's delivered exactly at the right time. This thing just released. Um and that's awesome. That doesn't, you don't need a phone call from someone at, at Amazon Prime or Netflix to let you know that, that the new season right. of that show is available. So we do need that, but there are also times for the truly personal. And so, so it's a line that I, that I draw out uh, when I'm thinking and talking and conversing is this personalized versus personal. And so, you know, the machine allows us to do both of them better. Um, it will do the personalized for us if we set it up properly and we have uh, good data hygiene. Um, but, and it can also trigger us to be more personal. I had a conversation with, um, Joseph Jaffe, who's written a number of, uh, of, of great books, including flip the funnel and life after the 32nd mm -hmm. spot and a new one called built to suck. And he was telling me the story of checking in at, I forget whether it was the four seasons or, um, or another high end, uh, chain, but they greeted him and his daughter and they knew because it was part of his original reservation that, um, that they were on uh, going on college campus tours, mm -hmm. right? She's of age considering colleges. And so they greeted him. This must be your, your daughter. You must be so proud that you're going to check out this guy. Like that was made possible through collecting data at the right time and serving it up to a human being to create this real human to human moment that meant a lot to him. And so the, the machine can serve both personal and personalized, but we need to pick those spots because when we fail to realize that we're missing opportunities to be truly personal, um, I think it has real consequences. It's also not as fun. Yeah. Well, I like to s separate them by the categories of saying personalized versus humanized. And because I think that, unfortunately, the personalization has sort of been hijacked by, you know, marketing automation and other, other segments where, you know, they talk about the idea of mass personalization at scale, which to me is an oxymoron. Um, but if you're, Right, if you're talking about personalization in the sense that most of us would think about it. I mean, it's so the word, like I said, has been hijacked to mean something completely different. So I think we're really are talking about how do we humanize the communications in a yeah, way good. that bring the, the humanity back into it. Um, but as I said before, I think more and more people are, are craving that. So here's this opening, if you're in sales, is a moment where I think that it's, it's not a – really at the beginning of a moment, I believe, is where – we're beginning to understand really the role of the human going forward in a process that is 
more surrounded by technology than in automation than it ever will be, right? I mean, it's going mm-hmm. to that trend's going to continue. So, really, how do you carve a rollout for the person in that in that whole thing? And I think that's yeah, it's something you touch on in your book, and it's something that will continue to evolve as as time evolves. But you know, the sum of all of our technologies we use really has, to some degree, made selling more difficult. And I, there's definitely a lot more noise, right? That's the well, issue. and that's so, one that that's really one of the primary difficulties. And the noise exists on several levels. One is, you know, technology's lowered the barrier to entry for you know companies in all all sorts of different industries, right? The digital technology. I mean, heck, you know, you guys started. You may have been one of the first, and before you know it, there's a half a dozen or a dozen companies that suddenly have been able to do what you're doing. And it's true it replicated market to market. So buyers are being inundated just with more competitors and more choice. But then you multiply that by all those competitors now have these tools and able to reach out on a mass basis, marketing automation and so forth. So suddenly, not only the number of competitors go up, but the amount of messaging they're getting from all the competitors has gone up. And yeah, I think it, I think it is harder to break through the noise. Yeah, and so we're in this window now where reaching out in a truly personal way where you let someone know in the subject line, in the, we do an animated preview automatically for every video, but, you know, in the thumbnail or the animated preview and with some of the supporting text around it, that this isn't some canned piece and that it's truly personal and has specific, relevant, useful information or a unique opportunity or a curiosity factor or whatever um, really does help, really does help break through there. Yeah. Well, just so people understand, because we, we haven't addressed it specifically, if you're not familiar with BombBomb, it's, it's an application able to be able to send uh, videos through your email on uh, sort of a one-to-one basis, or you could do it on a campaign basis as well. But what you were referring to is, is what I like to call sort of the proof-of-life uh, technique, which is you know, in your thumbnail, you hang, hand up something or show something in the, the, uh, the camera that, you know, <laughs> could be today's headline off a of newspaper. We're still reading newspapers, but could just be a handwritten, um, handwritten sign, as you did when you sent one to me recently. As you know, hey Andy, just so you knew it was personalized. I think it's a great, a great technique. You know, it's it's one way to cut through. It is, and it's um, two things there. One, you know, we have this desire, and really a need, a financial need, but also a, just a basic human desire to be seen and heard and understood as an individual human being, as does the recipient. So when you can show, I mean, another technique here for people that might think that's interesting and want to take another note, you know, we have a, a screen recorder as well. And so what some people are doing to create that same dynamic is um, starting where they're the little talking head bubble in in the corner. You can move it around anywhere you want with our software, but they're starting on someone's homepage or they're starting on their LinkedIn profile or they're starting on um, a, a blog post about a podcast that the person they're trying to mm-hmm. communicate with guested on. And it just shows this like immediately before I ever do, before I can hit the delete button, I already know, oh my gosh, that's just for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's a, you know, there's, Cialdini's principles of persuasion or whatever, you can push sure. a couple buttons really, really quickly um, just by, but, but the key to, to being seen and heard and understood is letting people know that they have been seen and understood or you, or you seek to understand. Mm-hmm. And, and so some of these, some of these basic techniques can, can open up that opportunity uh, more effectively than, than some of the stuff we've already been talking about. So, 
and that brings up a question I had. I was going to ask you about specifically about BombBomb, but is is so when you are using email on sort of a more of a campaign basis, where you do have one email that perhaps you might be sending to multiple people. So how how do you what are your techniques in that case then to sort of get your message through? Yeah. So who are these people? It's great because this exercise requires you. This is interesting. This is a. Um, I, I promise I'll get to the answer in just a moment. <laughs> you know, people will often wonder, why didn't they play my video? Or why didn't they open my email? Or why did they open my email but not play my video or whatever? And it's just it's like, why not, why not, why not, why not? When you start your communication to one person or to a list of people with the why would someone, why should someone, when you start there, instead of doing whatever comes natural, doing it on first pass, expecting that someone should just pay attention to you because you managed to get in their inbox or get in their face or whatever, uh, when, when, you, when you begin from the premise of why should, why would somebody participate, um, you're, you're in a better position. And so where I'll go with that now to answer your question directly is who are these people? Why are they getting this email? What is the opportunity you're presenting and how can someone take you up on it? And when you're clear on those things, uh, you can speak to them in a way where you don't have, you, some people, some people prefer to pretend like it's just for them. And, and instead of saying, you know, Hey, Andy, they just say, Oh, hey, I hope you're having a great Wednesday, blah, 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 blah. And, and enough of the context of, you know, segmenting the list and being really intentional about who's getting this message and who isn't combined with the subject line and the, and the supporting text around it that, that drives the video play and some of the text drives the call to action in the email, um, whether it's click the link to schedule on my calendar or click the link to RSVP through Eventbrite or whether it's, you know, uh, click the link to go check out this podcast, whatever the case may be. Um, when you can tie that stuff together in a way that is organized around why the person should or would from the get-go, uh, you're in a position to win. And so you, do, you obviously can't write an individual's name on like a whiteboard or a sticky note. You can't hover over one person's LinkedIn profile if it's an email to 127 people. Right. But there's something about those 127 people, the reason you selected them to receive this message the opportunity that you're presenting them and, and the reason that they would want to take you up on it um, that would allow you to do something approximately personal. So for example, I have a guy, he's a real estate agent and uh, he works in a kind of a lakes community out in, on, in Eastern Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, North of Detroit, South of Flint. And, um, and he just uh, cycles through all the different uh, price point changes in his community. And he starts uh, with a, you know, this is your um, area market update, right? right? And so it's, it's not for Bob and Tina, but when he sees that Bob and Tina uh, opened that email and played his video, then he follows up one-to-one and says, Hey, Bob and Tina, how are you doing? Gosh, it's been since last summer at the barbecue since I've seen you. Hope you're doing really well. You may have noticed in that video that homes on your lake are up 18% year to year. Now, I know Jenny's still in high school. Congratulations on her making uh, varsity uh, volleyball team. Um, but if you've had any thoughts at all, uh, this might be an interesting time to, to reevaluate uh, your, your housing situation, right? So anyway, so, so there, that, that's the long way around. Um, there, right. Who are these people? Why are they in one group together? And what is, why do you target them as, the, as, as being ripe for this opportunity? And then how specific can you be in the subject line the email body and in the in the preview of your video uh, to communicate that. 
Yeah, and I think it's it's useful to separate into a couple different categories is, is uses, let's say, use cases. One is, sure, we're going to have our SDRs, we're going to have our outbound teams that are using video, just as you described, on more of a campaign basis. That's fantastic. Um, but I really feel, feel the bigger power is really more in we'll call middle of funnel activities, if you will, where you're actually establishing that one-on-one relationship with one and or more stakeholders in the decision. And I think this is what really becomes important, too, as you get multiple stakeholders in a, a decision, this ability to communicate more fluently, more fluidly at, through video than you might through writing. I think from a persuasion, from an influence standpoint, it becomes way more powerful. Completely. I mean, again, when, when we say you are your own best sales asset, it's not to pump up you and your ego. It's to say Thank you, you are true. Yeah, yeah. It's it's to say that you are going to do a much better job of having someone see you, hear you, feel you, and understand you when you are more fully yourself than the words you type on the screen ever could be. And so, um, it, it's just a, a more complete piece of communication. Period on a human to human basis, and therefore, it is just inherently more persuasive. Now, the one thing I always caution people on is if you are not sincere. If you don't actually believe in your product or service, if you are not coming from a place of value uh, and you are not actually trying to, um, if you are purely and exclusively transaction oriented, um, video might not be for you because the same way that sincerity and interest um, provoke response and provoke uh, knowing, liking, and trusting, people can, you know, we yeah, can spell we can spell in sincerity the same way. So if you're, you know, you you have to kind of mean it if you're going to use video. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. You sort of have to mean it no matter what you do. But but yeah, you can certainly sniff it out more quickly if you're actually looking at a person and I think hearing them than you can if they can cloak it in email. Eventually, you're going to be found out. So I guess maybe... Well, yeah, and our, and our brains do that automatically. I mean, sure. it's, looking for the, it's looking for the discontinuity between the body language and the words and the tone, right? Like, we're, we're constantly looking for um, integrity, essentially, consistency in the way that mm-hmm. the message is being communicated. Mm-hmm. And we do it all automatically, subconsciously. And again, that's my caution for people who are um, grossly insincere about what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good description. Uh, you, hopefully, you haven't hired people listening to the show. You haven't hired anybody that's grossly insincere, or you yourself are not, uh, which I suspect. You would have been sniffed out in the interview. Uh, yeah, right. Um, and I suspect my listeners certainly are not insincere about sales. Otherwise, they wouldn't be spending their time listening to this. But, but I think one of the, the things that can sort of trip people up that may come across as being insincere when it's really not intended. And so to a point you made earlier is that when you're using video, I believe you have to be much more clear about what the call to action is. And because it, it gets more personal when they're seeing you deliver this as opposed to reading a piece of email. It's still some of their time, but there's just this, this different level, I believe. And so it gives you an opportunity, which is a huge opportunity for you. But I think the reason a lot of people stray or stay away from sometimes doing interactive video calls or doing the video emails we've been discussing, is they just don't know what they should be saying at that point in time. And that's a bigger sales issue. But yeah, you you don't want to take people's time, consume some people's time, 
and I think especially so on video, if you're really uncertain about what it is, the message you're trying to get across. Yeah, that's a that that's perfectly true. I was just in a conversation on LinkedIn earlier today about when to re-record your videos and when just to let them fly. And as a kind of reading what people were were offering there in the video that the gentleman explained his his ideas in. Um, the, the one time that I will tend to re-record a video is if I feel like I can communicate the same message in, you know, two-thirds or even half the amount of time. If I record a video and I realize, gosh, you know what? That went two minutes and 10 seconds. I really think if I, I really think I could do this in a minute. Um, and so it is true. You do need to be respectful of people's time. I think another thing people tend to want to do um, in an email and in a video in a lot of communication is really bury the call to action. And they feel like they need to, you know, walk people in the front door and show them all around and blah, 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 before we ever get to the call to action. And so, so the video um, a can sincerely help drive call, mm -hmm. the call to action. It eliminates a bunch of words out of the email. So you, you generally, I recommend depending on the nature of what you're doing, but a high level recommendation, there's no one size fits all for a video in an email, but you know, one or two lines of text to drive the video play. The video brings it to life, provides a little trust and rapport, gives you a little context, maybe gives you the opportunity to demonstrate that you've actually researched this person or their company or whatever, just one or two little nuggets there that let them know, Oh my gosh. Um, and I, I can tell you a story on that in a minute, but I won't sideline myself right now. Um, and then one or two lines to drive the call to action. And so it should, again, all be together. Why could, should, would somebody participate in this? Why are you getting this? What is the opportunity and how do I take you up on the opportunity? These things all work together. Subject line, opening line, short video. Um, you know, the, the one place where you can get away with a longer video, by the way. So when I say short, I mean, ideally a minute or less. So what we do at BombBomb is not only we turn the first three seconds of your video into an animated preview, but we also show play 37 second video or play 12 seconds, 12 second video or play 58 second video. And then we go to one minute, two minute, three minute, four minute. And so if you can keep it under one minute, that adds another layer of uh, clarity for the person that provokes a video play and that I know what I'm signing on for, mm -hmm. right? Like, Oh, it's a 47 second video. I got time for that because it's not a four paragraph email. Um, and you can communicate a lot more in 47 seconds than you can in, you know, two or three or four paragraphs. Um, just through again, the energy, the enthusiasm, the sincerity, um, the, uh, quickly demonstrating that you've done some research on them and their company. Well, which is really a key point is, is, so the average person speaks about 150 words a minute, which is about half a page. So you need to keep that in mind as you yeah. you compose not a script, but yeah, bullet points, points you want to get across. Doesn't hurt to practice because I agree with you 100%. Keeping a minute, a minute or under, really preferable because in a minute, you know, someone may be able to read 300 words. Yeah, and but, I do have one exception to that. If you sure, if you want. go ahead, go ahead. Uh, response to an inquiry. Right. And so, uh, yeah, ideally, if you're engaged with someone in, in the in the in the great big mid funnel uh, that you referred to earlier, you know, ideally, you're going to be uh, connected enough and they're curious enough and, and engaged enough that they're going to maybe come back as they've said, um, yeah, I'll follow up with you next week on this. And they're just chatting with somebody at the office and a couple more questions come up and they they type this reply back. And it probably doesn't just represent their own inquiry often. It represents some other thinking that they've either developed themselves or gotten from a supervisor or from another 
decision maker in the process or, you know, someone that's going to be implementing whatever your uh, product or service you might be representing. Mm -hmm. And so in these scenarios, this is another chance to get in front of more decision makers. So not only if someone asks you a question about a complicated uh, product or service, and by complicated, I don't mean like insanely complicated. I just no, mean just some level it's not something I can read two reviews on Amazon and say, yes, I'll buy this for that price. Right. Yeah. Um, this ability to just click record and answer the question as clearly and um, and as effectively and succinctly as you can. But if you go two, three, four, five minutes, if that's what the message really requires, especially if it has tailored elements for that person and the things that you've learned about them and evokes uh, or conjures information that you've, that you've brought up in other exchanges, really cool thing about videos, it allows you to, to present the information, present yourself and present the opportunity to other people in the organization without it having to A, get held up at a gatekeeper or B, be communicated by someone else who doesn't know you and your product right. or your service right. nearly as well as you do. And so it's, it's an easy thing to forward. And so it, 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 I've seen this happen a number of times in a variety of uh, roles and in industries where they send the video, it gets open. I get this reply all the time. I've sent literally millions of emails over the, uh, the 10 years I've been with the company. And so a lot of people have my email. So I'll get random questions all the time. I get this one. How come my email got open 14 times and the video got played eight times, even though I sent it to one person? And so you get into the scenario that they're in and you realize that it's a slightly complex sale, that there are multiple decision makers and it's just an easy thing to forward. And so it gives you the chance, again, you're your own best sales asset. This gives you the chance to pitch the opportunity or answer the question um, in front of multiple people who may not ever be in your inbox or may never even be on a conference call or a Zoom call or whatever the case may be sure. uh, throughout the buying cycle. So um, if someone is asking you a specific question, you you are afforded the opportunity, you need to be succinct, but but to take a little bit more play there as opposed to, you know, earlier in the relationship, definitely keep it under a minute if you can. Okay. So we're getting near the end of the time here. I have a final test for you. Okay. I'm up for it, I think. All right. You told me that there are 10 top occasions where video is superior to a text-based email. So I'll give you 30 seconds. Name all 10. Oh, man, that's a good one. I have the book next to me, but I'm not going to open it. Um, one is one is this kind of like prospecting your first touch. Right. Uh, another one is a, a process update when you're when there's something in flight and you just need to stay in front of people in the absence of information. Never mind. I don't need to explain them all. Yeah. Yeah. Got that one. Um, uh, holidays and other special occasions, just, you know, purchase anniversaries mm -hmm. or, or customer anniversaries or birthdays or whatever. Right. Um, and of course you can use social media to get those. Um, thank you is the single best and easiest and most valuable one to do. Thanking yes. people for a variety of opportunities. Um, uh, bad news and apologies again, because the tone comes through, you can manage the situation so much more effectively, uh, when you can just really emote with someone or yeah. to someone. Um, uh, vulnerability, very important. Yep. Uh, gosh, uh, invitations again, um, you use the who, what, when, where, why, and the call to action to get people mm -hmm. to, to RSVP or whatever, mm -hmm. client appreciation party, webinar, whatever the case may be. And you use the video to really drive the value and create some energy around it. Right. Um, Ooh, uh, great to meet you. Those, mm -hmm. those, you know, mm -hmm. following up after a networking mm -hmm. event or a chance you're at, you're at lunch with a colleague or a friend and one of their, one of their friends comes by, 
great way to follow up with them, provide your contact information, remind them, and right. let them know that you enjoyed the, whatever, even if it's a 30-second exchange, that, that it left an impression on you that makes people feel really, really good and allows you to have a continued conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you counting? I am. I'm, I'm at seven. I'm at seven. I think, I think seven's good. We'll let you go at seven. Gosh, that's so terrible. Now I got to know. I, I'm going to look at this while you while you do whatever you need to do to wrap up. Yeah, I'm just laughing because it's one of these things that I knew after I, after I wrote my first book and I would do interviews and people would ask me about things in the book. I would have, once you hand that manuscript over to the publisher, it's like two-thirds of it sort of escapes your brain because you've just been so focused on it and then you move on to something else so i didn't mean to trap you with the yeah uh, no no no, it's fun that was a fun game um (laughs) one of them internal communication uh is one that i missed you know we're always talking about engaging our prospects and nurturing them and providing value and all these things and ultimately driving to the close internal communication great for recruiting um you know if you can identify a salesperson in another organization that's come onto your radar for some particular success um, and you get in front of that person, you just let them know, I've been keeping an eye on you, really proud of the work that you're doing. What a great accomplishment. This is the kind of feedback that a lot of people aren't getting internally. So if you can show that you actually care, um, checking in, mm-hmm. gosh, it's been a while. How you doing? What's going on? Um, you know, that, that might be a six month check-in, right? So you sign a contract with someone, implementation takes six weeks. Um, so now they maybe haven't had any direct communication for uh, a couple months now, uh, a six month, Hey, how's it going? Gosh, it's been six months by now. Maybe you should have blah, 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 blah. Hey, if you have any questions, mm-hmm. let me know, or I'd be happy to get your uh, account rep, uh, engaged. All right. Um, num- num- number 10 coming up. You have one more. Um, Great to meet you, project or process, cold prospecting, first introduction, nurturing responsive and unresponsive leads. Ah, nurturing. Good one. Yeah, yeah. Engaging people, you know, following up where you at. Someone, you know, someone kind of, they, re, they return the initial phone call or they reply to the initial email. It, uh, you maybe had a brief phone call or something, but then they kind of go cold on you. Great way to re-engage them. Uh, and for those unresponsive leads who you're sending these emails to, and maybe you're getting alerts that the system's opening them, this would give you a chance to, to, directly engage them. Yeah. And I think on that last one too, if you're doing a nurturing thing is, is one thing I'm a huge believer in is that maybe your couple lines of text, you tease, Hey, there's something in the video that you need to hear. hundred percent. So, so, Hey, there's two points I'll bring up in the video and that way you get them to open it. So, yep. All right, Ethan, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, that was fun. I really appreciate it. I, I really like the way you run, run your show. Oh, thank uh, you. Really good give and take. And uh, it is an honor to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here and look forward to doing it again. So tell folks how they can find out more about BombBomb, about your book, and how to connect with you personally. Cool. Uh, Again, my name is Ethan Butte. Last name is B-E-U-T-E, and I'm on every social network by my first and last name, and I welcome uh, introductions, but where you can include a note uh, so you don't look like a stranger. And um, we are BombBomb as a company. It's just the word bomb twice, B-O-M-B, B-O-M-B. And uh, you can find us at bombbomb.com and on all the social networks as BombBomb. And the book is called Rehumanize Your Business. Um, And thank you for asking. If you go to bombbomb.com slash book, just bombbomb.com slash book. Uh, you can see 
who it's for, what it's about. We kind of break down some of the material you're going to get there, as a lot of authors do. We rounded up some people we like and respect to, to read advanced copies and say nice things about it so you can review those as well. And um, you can just get a sense of, is this something for me? And, and um, at the moment, I don't know when you are listening to this person who is listening, but uh, uh, at the moment, Amazon's got it 34% off, which is just insane. All right. Well, hopefully that's not coming out of your commission. So your royalty, I mean, no, so. this, this is, this is about, honestly, this is about getting the word out. Like this is a better way to work. It's a more fun way to work and it produces better results. Like I want more people to do this period. And there are a number of services that are doing some variation of what we do. And this is going to be a value to you, whether or not you use our service or another one. I'm just convinced that when we all take a more personal and human approach to the work that we do, we're going to be more satisfied and we're also going to be more effective. Absolutely. Agree hundred percent. That's the whole focus of what we're doing in the sales house. So Ethan, we'll talk to you shortly. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, friends, that was Accelerate for this week. First of all, as always, I want to thank you for joining me. And I want to thank my guest, Ethan Butte. Join me again next week as my guest will be Amelia Danzica. Amelia is a partner for customer success and account management at Winning by Design. And we're going to talk about customer success and how CS has become a driving force in revenue growth, certainly in the SaaS industry and how this model will soon become applicable in many other businesses as well. So be sure to join us then. And before you go, don't forget to check out the Sales House. It's your all-in-one sales growth engine for B2B sellers just like you. Visit saleshouse.com and look forward to seeing you there. So thanks again for joining me. Until next week, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs>